Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio, where each week we talk to a musician, artist, author, or other creative Mississippian working in the arts across the state. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thordis, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm speaking with sign painter River Prince. River, thanks so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, for those um, for those of our listeners across the state who may not be familiar with your work, uh, tell me a little bit about um, your sign company and the work that you do as an artist. Um, so I own Print Sign Company. Uh, we are based in Ellisville, Mississippi. Uh, we do uh, traditional sign fabrication, sign painting, um, murals, uh, and many other things. Uh, advertising techniques uh, sort of in the traditional sense. Um, We are in the process of getting set up for neon and stuff like that. Uh, So we are a company that uh, does like uh, business signs and stuff like that, but we also have a side to it that's more artistic uh, and allows for creativity uh, to be in those signs as opposed to, um, I guess, modern sign companies where it seems like they may lack that creativity uh, we really push design and we push um, techniques that just really inspire when you see them. So um, that's that's really what we do and that's what I push for is to uh, sort of bring back this uh, traditional inspiring uh, signage, just streetscapes and everything in Mississippi. Well, tell me a little bit about where you grew up. Over. Um, I grew up in Ellisville, Mississippi. Uh, went to high school there, um, sort of grew up in the country, I guess. Uh, I grew up right on the river, uh, which is kind of ironic, uh, being that's my first name. Um, but my mom, uh, she was a very creative person. Uh, we were always just, I remember, uh, doing all types of things. We would, uh, paint the house a different color, paint our rooms and just, uh, maybe hang wallpaper with her. Uh, I remember accidentally painting our dog one day. And, um, I guess, uh, that's sort of where I got the start uh, in the sense of painting, because I really wasn't ever a person, uh, or a kid that would just, uh, draw or anything. Um, I guess I would doodle as much as any other kid was, um, doing at the time. But, uh, I think my mom was a really creative person and that may have, uh, and, you know, led me to the path where I am now. Um, but in high school, uh, honestly, I didn't take any art classes. I was a baseball player, uh, somewhat of a football player. I didn't really get too much into it. I uh, wasn't too much of a jock or anything, but I did play sports, and I didn't really have art in my life. Uh, it wasn't until uh, the senior year of my high school um, that I decided to pursue a degree in graphic design. Um, and after two years at a junior college, which was also in Ellisville, Um, I decided that I didn't really uh, care to sit behind a computer all day. It just really wasn't uh, something where I felt inspired to uh, spend the rest of my life. Uh, So I was doing construction as well at the time, and um, I was left with a tough decision, I guess. I really loved design and art and that aspect of things. I loved making things, uh, but I also loved uh, a good day of physical labor, I guess, and really just being proud of uh, doing something, building something. Um, And from that point, um, I was 
fortunate to meet uh, an older billboard sign painter in the area. Uh, he would hand paint billboards um, just in the set 60s and 70s. So I was fortunate to meet him. Uh, I really had no clue what sign painting was. Uh, but after really um, finding out a little bit about it and noticing that it really wasn't something that was around anymore, um, I sort of just fell in love, I guess. Uh, and I started paying attention more to the older signs around town that were fading out and just the beauty in them. Because you see modern signs when they age, um, they're just not inspiring. Uh, whereas you see an old hand-painted sign, it ages well, and you see the uh, beautiful layers of paint and just how the, the craftsman or artist or whoever it may have been painting that. He knew or she knew exactly what they were doing, and it had uh, they had intention, uh, I guess, with every brushstroke. And I just was inspired from that point, and I decided to pursue uh, somewhat of an apprenticeship with him. And then I was fortunate to go to Minnesota and work at a sign shop with a sign painter for about three weeks and as I drove to Minnesota and it's that same week I was driving back to Mississippi in my head I knew that for the rest of my life this is what I was going to do so um, I stopped going to school I didn't uh, uh, renew for that upcoming semester I just that wasn't what I was going to do. I continued construction and I was fortunate to land a few jobs uh, for murals and uh, also commercial signs, business signs. Um, and I told my fiance at the time, my wife now, I said, I'm going to put my all into this. And I'm, you know, I was just shooting for the stars. I was going to do the best that I could and it paid off and people took notice. And now we're two years in two and a half actually. And every day we're producing signage. It started with just painted signs and now we're doing metal fabrication, uh, getting started in, uh, classic, uh, neon, uh, glass tubes. So uh, it just kind of, that, that's the story, I guess. <laughs> well, when, you, when I hear you describe um, the feeling of saying, I'm coming home and this is what I'm going to do, what do you think um, really makes you um, feel so passionately about a kind of traditional sign making and, and that being your new um, persuasion full time? I would have to say uh, it is my love for design, uh, specifically typography and stuff like that. Um, I was already really interested in studying solely typography uh, when I went to school, um, but I started taking notice at the signs around town, and uh, we have two larger sign companies here in our area, and um, it almost seems like their designers are asleep at times. It's like they're just uninspired and they just go into whatever software they have. They type out a few words, uh, put it in Times New Roman, and it's just very uninspiring signage. Um, but when I took notice in the older signage where uh, somebody would sit there with, um, you know, on a drafting bench and just kind of draw things out and make sure every detail was, you know, exactly where it needed to be, um, you could tell that a lot of craftsmanship went into it and then finally making that sign a reality like really turning it into something beautiful on a wall or uh, freestanding that is when I knew what I wanted to do I wanted to bring back something that has been uh, long forgotten in this area at least I know it's uh, reviving in a lot of areas in the in the country I guess um, but I knew from that time that 
that's what I was going to do. I was going to make a change in our streetscapes uh, in a very realistic sense uh, by putting pretty much, I guess, art on the walls, um, but for advertising purposes. So uh, it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, so I know that you have actually done quite a bit of um, studying about the history of sign making. Is there anything in, in that study that um, you might share with our listeners that you found of particular interest? Um, so I guess the most interesting aspect to me is, again, um, typography and lettering. Um, nowadays, you have software, Adobe Illustrator, stuff like that, all great tools. We use them from time to time. Um, they're, you know, any tool can be used, you know, to better a craft, to better art or anything like that. Uh, however, if in the wrong hands, uh, some people can become lazy, I guess, um, in designing and just using that to simply type out something and not really going to add any detail. Um, so in my studies, I would see how uh, they would draft out uh, the signs before uh, painting them or fabricating them. And it was such intricate and just like the drawing itself was art before it was even a thing. It was going to be something that was eventually going to be trashed, uh, but it was a drawing that someone took a lot of pride in. And through studying all those letter forms that uh, someone had drawn out, uh, I just I guess that's what it is that I took away from it. Uh, I knew that there was more to um, I guess designing and signs alone because of these old books, I was able to see it. I was able to see that um, it was a lost art form, I guess. What would you say to someone who might be interested in learning, like, hand lettering? Um, it was very difficult for me to find, I guess, someone uh, trustworthy to apprentice under or to learn from. Um, it's really good to get your hands on material, um, but I, I guess... There are a lot of workshops in today's age, like the Instagram age, where uh, they're all titled like hand lettering for beginners. And not all of them are bad, but some of them can guide people in the wrong direction. And I'm just speaking from the sense of uh, professional signs. Uh, lettering has to be square and perfect and, you know, legible. So from that sense, uh, I would say find someone that you know, knows what they're talking about and has really spent years practicing that craft and instead of someone that may have just picked it up weeks prior to you and are now feeling confident enough to teach a workshop because it can be misleading at times. And I uh, I did attend a few workshops that really just kind of led me in the wrong direction, um, I guess in the sense of becoming a professional sign painter or letterer. So um, I guess just find someone trustworthy and find material that you can really um, you know, get good source material from. Do you, um, and we'll talk about this a little later um, in, in, in another segment, but I'm curious about your collaborations with different people in different communities. And if you see your work at all as kind of a impetus for community and economic development, uh, particularly using, you know, kind of using signs and, and visual arts um, as a way for um, you know, community branding and that kind of thing. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Uh, so we do quite a few murals. Uh, that's uh, sort of what our company is known for. We do, uh, we've done a few for uh, the city of Hattiesburg uh, on the side of T-Bones Records and Cafe. We've done some in the, uh, Downtown Laurel. 
uh, some in Hazelhurst, Mississippi, uh, and these are all for just uh, town murals, I guess you could call them. And I feel like it provides a place for people, uh, you know, if they're strolling the streets, they can stop by and uh, get a picture with it because it is art on the wall. Uh, even if it isn't something you have to pay to see or something like that, um, I think that it just adds to uh, the culture of a place uh, to have that um, craftsmanship on a wall, to see that someone took the time to add another layer um, to a place. So uh, I think it definitely can add value. And um, from what we've done, I think that, you know, people appreciate it, uh, being able to just walk by and see that, you know, someone took that time to really just add value to the community. Have you ever been involved with um, efforts to uh, collaborate with communities to tell their their local story? It's something that we're working on at the Arts Commission um, through a creative placemaking and mapping initiative. And I was just curious if if these kind of um, community signs, as you say, um, you know, welcome to Hattiesburg, that kind of thing. Um, have you ever been involved in that as kind of a collaborative conversation with a, a tourism or community development or Main Street organization? Yeah, so we've worked with um, Visit Hattiesburg, or I believe it's known as Visit Hburg, um, and also Laurel Main Street. Uh, for the Hattiesburg one, um, Hattiesburg, a lot of people call it the birthplace of rock and roll, but it was kind of forgotten. Like it wasn't on any signs around town or anything like that. Um, but a lot of good rock and roll was recorded in downtown Hattiesburg. So um, the owner of T-Bones Records and Cafe asked to add birthplace of rock and roll to the bottom of his uh, sign on the wall. And uh, we did. And I think that just adds something like people see it and they're like, huh, like, is it really the birthplace of rock and roll? And it may not be really, but it's just uh, to know that uh, something did start here uh, years ago. I think that uh, something neat and lets you know about the history of a place. Um, and for Laurel, uh, we've done a few uh, like older signs uh, on buildings that used to have signs and we may update it to look old, uh, but have the new business name. So I think that adds a little bit of uh, a culture and value to the community just because uh, it's newer businesses, but it kind of not uh, tips a hat towards uh, that older uh, the way streetscapes would have looked in. So I, I think it can add value to a place, definitely. Yeah, I like the idea of um, kind of the nod to the history while helping, um, while working with a community to tell the, the, the story um, of the place, its history, and its um, current role as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, traditional sign making and visual art in that way is a, is a really important aspect of that community building um, and placemaking efforts. Hi, I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. 
You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different Mississippians. Today I'm speaking to designer and craftsman River Prince. River owns Prince Sign Company in Ellisville, Mississippi, and was recently named one of 2020's Makers of Tomorrow by Sign of the Times magazine. So, River, early or in our um, in our last segment, we talked a little bit about um, how you came to the art of traditional sign making. And now I want to talk about your process and your technique. Okay. So first, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about, and I know you do a lot of different things, but what it's like kind of in your daily work. Um, so it's kind of wild uh, because I am, first and foremost, I guess, a small business owner. Uh, So I have to sort of coordinate everything as far as uh, business goes and jobs go. Uh, But when it comes to the fun part, which is making the signs, um, we do everything from uh, traditional painted signs, uh, which I'm the sole person that does that, uh, as well as um, metal fabrication. Uh, So I guess do you want to sort of talk about just uh, traditional sign painting at first? Yeah, let's talk about sign painting, and then I definitely have some metal fabrication questions okay. for you. <laughs> All right. So uh, sign painting is what got me started. Uh, again, I learned from um, a few guys uh, who had many years uh, in the trade. They were journeyman sign painters, uh, the first one being a billboard sign painter. Uh, so uh, everything in those days would have been done by hand. Uh, the basic tools you would have uh, is yourself, uh, and sort of knowing how to, uh, lay things out. Uh, you would also have like a chalk line, a level, a pencil, uh, brush and paint. So, uh, that's pretty much all you need. And that is still, uh, to this day, uh, how I do it because I really, uh, enjoy carrying that craft through and not just, uh, being a cop out and projecting it. So, um, I grid every single wall job that I do, uh, and wall job, I'm referring to wall signs that are hand painted or, uh, murals. Uh, so I lay them out 100% by hand. Uh, we will grid them out sometimes if there uh, are intricate designs, uh, and I'll, uh, sort of lay it out from there, uh, just sort of using the, uh, one inch to one foot method, uh, sort of, uh, upsizing. Um, but I also know how to uh, lay letters out at uh, pretty much any size, and that's just uh, what I've learned um, through my apprenticeships and learning from these uh, older sign painters. Uh, so we, I can get on the uh, side of a building, and I've even painted some uh, water towers, which are about 150 feet in the air, and all I'll have is a level, um, a yardstick, um, chalk, and a brush and paint, and I'll, I can get up there, and I'll have my pre-sketched uh, lettering already Uh, figure it out on graph paper and then I'll get up there and just sort of draw it all out and then from there uh, it's all brushed by hand so uh, when it's called hand-painted signage uh, I'm sure to mean that 100% just because I'm extremely passionate about it and I don't want their uh, I mean anybody could go out with a projector and easily do it Uh, but I'm really um, I really take pride in carrying that tradition of doing it 100% by hand uh, it's my favorite thing to do. It's what got me started on this path, and uh, I just love doing it. So uh, that's that's pretty much how it's done. 
I have to ask, I've always been so curious about um, how uh, painters would paint on a water tank. So you described some of it, but are you, are you uh, like hanging from like some kind of apparatus or uh, yes. standing it's, on the gate up there? Yes. How so, do you paint uh, a water tank? You, I work with a service company. Uh, we are subcontracted by them to uh, paint and apply graphics to it. Uh, and all the graphics are hand painted. They're not vinyl or anything. So um, you'll climb the ladder, and that's 150 feet. And you talk about tired. When you get to the top, it's just, <laughs> I mean, you better be ready to go. So uh, it's uh, that climb up. And then all it is is you'll have a, a safety lanyard, which is a rope, <laughs> and then a harness. And that's all you have. And um, it's pretty sketchy from that point on. You'll stand on whatever you have. I remember standing on five-gallon buckets of paint. I remember standing on uh, milk crates, uh, railing that was just uh, that sort of surrounded the tank at the top. And you just have to lay it all out from there. Um, and you really have to, it's tough to take a step back and make sure you're, uh, you know, at the right width and you're not going too far to the left or right. Um, because you can't step back, you have no space. So uh, there's just a lot of technique, and uh, I'm I'm really proud uh, to be able to offer that uh, because I would lay walls out by hand, and that's simple. You can step back and take a look and make sure it's right. But with this, you have no uh, margin for error. Like it has to be uh, done like that that first go uh, because the paints that we use and all of that are just uh, industrial use. So I mean that. It, uh, they, there's a paint called One Shot uh, for sign painters, and uh, it's called that for a reason. You have one shot to do it, and you have to make sure it's uh, one. You just got to be correct that first time. So, um, but yeah, it's just a safety lanyard and uh, all of your tools, and that's all. The only way you're up there. I have. I, I think I've been wondering that since I was a little girl. Um, I'm so I, glad you told I, me. I, I personally did too. I've only been doing tanks uh, for a year now. Um, as a service that we provide. Uh, but right before that, I just was always so interested in it and um, at how they even get up there. And I don't know, I just stumbled upon it. And uh, I get it was because we sort of uh, we did ground tanks, uh, like fuel tanks and stuff. And uh, uh, they found us. So it just kind of worked that way. And now I know how to do it. So it's a it's a neat thing. And I, and I think it's an art to uh, to be able to do that, uh, because it, it isn't really done that way anymore. There's uh, very few of them that, you know, do it that way. So, well, we mentioned earlier this idea of communities really using the arts to help tell their story, and I think that um, um, community branding, names of towns, or even other art on water tanks, to me, is a really interesting way um, to to do that, to bring that branding, to bring that art. Um, as really a part of who that place is. Uh, so I just think it's a, an undersung, underappreciated um, art form and opportunity that is kind of a blank canvas. I yeah, think, definitely. I, I agree with that uh, because a lot of towns uh, you can go through and it, uh, you have all of that available space that's visible for miles and miles in some cases. Um, and sometimes it's just not taken advantage of, but when it is, oh, it's a beautiful thing to see that a, a town is like, you know, we have the space available, let's do it. Let's uh, put our name up there and, and be proud of that. And I think that um, you don't think much about it because, you know, it's just lettering on a tower. Uh, 
but it adds value to the area. And I think it's a really cool thing to be able to uh, use it in a realistic sense. Uh, this, you know, an art form basically uh, that sort of tells you where you are, but it's also beautiful in the fact that someone laid those letters out by hand too. I agree. Well, tell me about um, your work in metal fabrication. Uh, so we've been into metal fabrication probably about, I'd say a year now. So we've been in business two and a half and uh, it all started with sign painting, but now we're in uh, metal fabrication. We offer uh, welding services for custom uh, signs of uh, cabinet signs, uh, plasma cut letters, um, but not in the sense of uh, the uh, monotonous letters that are produced by a lot of the larger sign companies. I know I've said that already, uh, but we do it. It's a little more attention to detail and uh, we're able to, I think, bring certain elements out of it. We just finished one uh, and the customer didn't want this really refined look. They wanted a patina look. So we uh, did a blackened patina, which is just using motor oil and you coat it and you heat it really hot, the metal and it quenches that metal and it creates a beautiful finish uh and it's just uh it also holds rust also it doesn't corrode so again it's a uh there's a realist there's a good reason to use it you know to uh, preserve that sign for many years but it's also just beautiful and not just um you know a coat of paint on there uh so um i really enjoy uh being able to offer the uh metal fabrication services that's something i uh, really take pride in all the only way I learned was uh, growing up on a farm uh, we would always just kind of fix things weld things and uh, so now I just decided to bring that um, element into my company and to be able to offer that as a service well um, so my best friend is actually a metal fabrication professor of in at the School of Architecture at University of Arkansas. And so I asked her, um, as a metal fabricator, what would you ask River about this? And so for those in the know, um, the request was to ask you what kind of welder you use. Um, So I have a few. Um, I do have a, uh, it's a Miller. Uh, Miller is one of the leading uh, welding brands. uh, And that is just a ACDC arc welder, which is for stick welding, a very... uh, the oldest method of uh, welding. Uh, I'll also have two uh, MIG welders, uh, which is uh, wire welding. It's a continuous spool of wire fed through, and that's really great for the sign industry uh, because it allows you to weld really thin uh, gauge metal. uh, So you aren't, uh, you know, a lot of signs are built with thin gauge metal uh, due to weight and stuff like that. It's just more, um, it's easier to use. So uh, I use those for majority of, um, I guess, uh, channel letters and dimensional letters and stuff like that. And uh, we're also able to weld aluminum uh, with a MIG welder if you put uh, aluminum uh, spool in there. Uh, I do have a TIG welder as well, but I don't uh, do too much TIG welding. So there's just so many uh, facets to that as well, just so many different areas. Uh, But we do have uh, plasma cutting services also. So we can uh, cut out letters and uh, do custom, you know, pretty much anything that can be cut out of a sheet of metal. Um, what about, so when you're painting on walls, you're using a, a acrylic? Is that right or does it just depend? So I would say it depends. Um, if uh, traditionally uh, sign painters, uh, and this is just because of the time, so I'll kind of lay it out like this. Um, a, a good reason you see a lot of old signs that are black and white is because that is what 
they had readily available at paint stores then. They had white lead paint, uh, which was an oil-based paint, and they had black paint, which was an oil-based paint. It was uh, known as Japan black, I believe, at the time, and that's just because of the pigments that were you know, readily available. Uh, so a lot of times, oil-based paints will be used everywhere. They would be used on trucks. They would be used on brick uh, and just pretty much any surface, and that's perfectly fine for today, today as well. Um, but there are so many good products now for the sign industry and also just uh, for painting in general, like house painting. Um, so a product I use on masonry, wood, and stuff like that would be in a water-based paint. It's an acrylic, and that allows um, for a longer lifetime. It doesn't fade as bad as oil-based paints. Oil-based paints can chalk eventually. Um, so the water-based paint has uh, flexibility, uh, so it kind of... Um, is elastic in a way, uh, so it lasts a bit longer on surfaces that are porous like brick and wood. Um, for windows and truck lettering, I still do use oil-based paints, and there are specific sign paints uh, that I use. Uh, there are many brands, but like I mentioned before, uh, One Shot is one of the biggest brands, uh, and it's called One Shot uh, Sign Painters Paint. Uh, because you do it in one shot. It doesn't require any additional coats, and it's great for a good glossy finish that holds up very well on windows and trucks and uh, really smooth surfaces. You can use lettering quills uh, for that type of paint. Yeah, so let's talk about, that's what I wanted to ask you about next, is this, this leathering quill. So I read that, that these quills are typically made out of squirrel hair. Is that yeah. right? Uh, so, uh, yeah, squirrel hair, uh, red sable hair, which I hear is similar to a squirrel that can only be found in uh, somewhere near Russia, I believe. Um, so there's uh, so many stories I've heard from older sign painters, uh, but there are many synthetics uh, on the market today. And I say on the market, it's like a, <laughs> you have to really search for them. Uh, they aren't really... Uh, easily found. Uh, I guess you can find them on the internet, uh, but uh, I was fortunate to go to London, uh, meet a sign painter there as well, uh, and I bought some uh, sign brushes that were handmade there um, in, I can't remember, it was uh, right outside of London. Um, it's called AS Hanover. So uh, I bought some uh, lettering quills and um, uh, one-stroke brushes, which are just really long bristles and flat, great for lettering. Um, trucks, windows, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, lettering quills and uh, one-stroke brushes are primarily used for hand lettering and uh, anything from panel signs, uh, smooth surfaces, basically. Uh, those are great for that. And then, um, and then you also do some work uh, with gold leaf, right? And you, you apply that with, with gilding brushes? Yes. Um, what, what's a gilding brush for, for those uh, of us who, who don't know? So, um, it's uh, technically it's called a uh, gilder's tip. Uh, so, it's a really, it's about three inches wide, um, and it's made, I can't remember the hair that I have, um, the type that I have, but it is a natural hair uh, from an animal. I'm, I can't recall what it is. I want to say it's badger, but I may be wrong. Um, so, uh, this brush never touches, uh, any oils, any paint. It doesn't touch anything like that. Uh, the only thing you do is, uh, you have your gilder's pad and the gold leaf is sitting on there and, uh, you only use genuine gold leaf for signs just because, uh, faux gold leaf can, uh, tarnish. 
Uh, so uh, in five years of being in the weather, it would just be pointless. So we only use genuine gold and silver leaf. So you strike the gilder's tip in your hair to build a static charge. And then you uh, draw it down to the gold leaf. Uh, and as you bring it up, the gold leaf uh, basically just stays to that three inch uh, gilder's tip because of the static charge. And as soon as you touch the glass or whatever surface you may be gilding, it uh, you hold it about an inch away and it, it's a really cool thing to see. It jumps from the gilder's tip to the surface uh, because of a size that has been applied to the surface. So um, I'm proud to be one of the only uh, sign gilders that I know um, in Mississippi. I know there are a lot of artists that use gold leaf um, and I can't say that I've ever gilded a painting or anything like apply gold leaf to just a, a painting. I think it's a different technique, honestly. They used um, different um, uh, sizes and stuff like that. Uh, but I use, uh, reverse water gilding, which I uh, use gelatin capsules, uh, in boiled water. Uh, you cook that down for a few minutes and it applies a size to the back side of a glass. And then you apply the gold leaf and you're able to, uh, back it up with a backup, uh, black paint uh, that's specifically for sign use. I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Well, you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different creative people living in Mississippi. Today I'm speaking with traditional sign maker River Prince. So River, before the break, we talked about um, your process. And we're talking about metal fabrication and traditional sign painting. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your technique when it comes to restoration projects uh -huh. and like vintage, um, kind of like getting that faux a vintage feel when you're doing a sign or restoration? Yeah, so uh, we've done a, a few restorations, and in some cases when we're doing a restoration, uh, the client may want it restored to, you know, original glory. So we may have to uh, go all the way and just, you know, make it look brand new. Uh, but in some cases, we do leave a little bit of the aging. And, uh, and then in other cases, we uh, start new and make it look uh, extremely old. Um, so as far as restoration goes, uh, we've done sandblasted signs, which is wood signs that have, uh, that have been sandblasted to, uh, raise the lettering and sort of carve down in there. And we also offer that service as well. Uh, but a lot of times we'll just repaint those, regild those with gold leaf, uh, and stuff like that. Um, we've, uh, repainted a few signs, um, freestanding signs. We may have to sandblast, uh, the old paint off and just kind of restore it that way. 
Um, but for the faux age signs and um, sort of achieving that older look, um, I've done just a lot of, I guess, studying on my own. Uh, and not necessarily studying. I wasn't basing it off anything, uh, but I would just sort of work on washes, whether it be just water washes with uh, certain paint pigments in it uh, or acid washes or, you know, anything else. There's many, many you can go off of. I've used uh, burnt motor oil before, just all types of stuff. Uh, and we'll start fresh and end up with a sign that looks like it's been up there, um, you know, 50 years uh, or more. Uh, and a, a funny story, if you don't mind me telling, uh, can I tell a story about a faux age sign? Please. Okay. So, um, we did a sign, a really big one in downtown Hattiesburg. Um, and the city, uh, is a bit tricky with, um, painted sign, uh, I guess permits and all. They don't really approve them a lot of times because, uh, I guess it doesn't really fit their aesthetic. They're, they're a bit looser now, but, uh, about a year and a half ago, they had someone else in office and they were just kind of a stickler for, uh, painted signage so they wanted it to be a certain way um, but we painted a it was two stories up and 80 feet wide and I think 10 feet tall so it was really big enormous and uh, the client wanted it it was going on an old warehouse building and they wanted it painted uh, to mimic uh, to look old and they didn't know what color to start with or anything like that so I took uh, the liberty of studying old signs in the area and like I mentioned before, sign painters in the 50s or so, they would only use black lead paint, white lead paint, and that was it. Like that, that's what made, made it up. So um, I chose to use acrylic paints, but I use flat acrylic paints, which uh, turns the gloss stone all the way. And uh, we blacked out the entire wall and lettered it with white. And then we went in and this took a a long time but we had angle grinders uh, electric sanders and stuff like that and we would remove uh chunks of brick and all types of stuff and then add washes to it and we fooled the city like they uh the officials and all did it and they thought the sign had been there uh for years so it's a it's a cool thing to be able to uh, do a technique that is definitely art uh it took a like tons of techniques to achieve uh but it it i don't know i was super proud of that and uh that was one of my definitely one of my favorite projects i guess and uh faux age signs are just neat because it can be brand new but you it can make a place look like it's been there and established for many years yeah absolutely i think a lot about um <clears throat> like um, movie sets um there's probably i would guess you know some traditional sign makers yeah, to work with to to accomplish uh certain time periods um, for that, especially you think about the 50s, um, for some reason that stands out to me. Uh, was that kind of the heyday of, of hand-painted signs? Is that why that, that era um, kind of... In America, I would say I would say the 40s, uh, because 30s and 40s, um, like before, prior to that, um, people that were selling things, uh, they didn't really mark anything. They didn't brand anything. Um, so you'd have people, you know go to the store, uh, the general store, and they might pick up a, a bag of flour and it had no brand on it. Uh, but they come back the next week and they're like, man, I really, you know, enjoyed that brand of that, that flour we had last week, but it's something completely different. You don't know where you're getting it from. So around that time, companies started putting their logos on things. And I, I believe that was the heyday. That's kind of what launched things. People are like, yeah, we need to put our signs on the buildings. Uh, and the only way to do that, they didn't have uh, vinyl plotters or any technology to print signs. So they had guys paint them. And uh, I would say in America uh, that 40s, 50s, definitely heyday of sign painting here. 
I know that it had dated a little further back uh, in uh, Europe. I believe they ha- uh, had been using it for many years there uh, in sort of a different style. But American sign painting, definitely. Heyday, I would say 40s, 50s because of that reason. Well, I know you've done a lot of collaborative work, um, uh, particularly in Laurel. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about some of the work you've done with Ben and Aaron Napier and their show on HGTV Hometown? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were uh, actually on a, uh episode last Monday, I believe. Uh, they were renovating a new cafe uh, that two brothers are going to be opening up in downtown Laurel. And Erin um, had the idea, uh, she took the old windows out of the house and uh, wanted to do a sign so she kept the old wood frame windows with chipped paint and all and we applied the logo on a few different pieces of glass the windows uh, and they used them on the interior of the cafe right above the counter Uh, so that was a really cool project to incorporate sign painting uh, as decor but also uh, as uh, advertising to let you know where you are uh, because you can see it from the outside sort of through the windows Um, We've also done a a few things. We've gilded their windows at the Mercantile um, in downtown. Uh, That was, uh, I believe, a year and a half ago. So uh, we, they originally just had uh, some lettering on the windows that didn't really uh, fit the era that they were going for. They really have a nice aesthetic nailed down there. Uh, So we started offering the gold leaf and um, it's just, it added just that next level charm to that building. It's just incredible uh, that we were able to help bring that vision uh, as as small as it is, it adds that final touch, that detail that just you can't replicate. A vinyl plotter won't be able to replicate that. So that was a really, really fun project. Um, we've done some work, uh, at the general store for Ben, uh, he has the wood shopping all over there. So we've painted some signs on the outside of that. Uh, and we just painted a, a cooler for him, like a old vintage Coleman cooler. So just, uh, you know, you build a relationship and you're able to just, uh, do fun things and also do things that, uh, are for business and all, but it's just, it's really neat being able to, uh, play a part in that. Well, I've thought a lot about um, kind of the work that you do and uh, the arts in the age of COVID. So what's the story uh, behind, um, I know you did, I know you did a temporary mural um, and then you did another project with the venue in Hattiesburg. I love the quote, today is my new favorite day. Um, what's the, what's the story behind those? So uh, the today is my new favorite day, that was um decided on by the owner of the venue he wanted a spot for brides and grooms to be able to uh, take a picture for when they got married I guess to be able to step outside and you know say that today is my new favorite day but it also Mm -hmm. is on a very very busy um, spot in downtown where two cafes are so people I see photos popping up all the time I think it's just a great photo op spot Uh, so that was really fun bringing that one to life um, and for the everything is going to be okay mural, uh, my wife, we live in downtown Ellisville, which is where the mural is. And, uh, we live in, uh, we renovated the second story of, uh, the 1950s fire station. Uh, and then my shop was, uh, on the lower level for a few months. Uh, but we eventually moved to a bigger shop, but right next door, there was an open wall and we were sitting there one day when everything was playing out at the beginning of quarantine and everything like that. And it was just really tough. You you would see people discouraged. I knew people were losing their jobs, not being able to hold shifts. Um, and it was kind of, it was sad um, to see. So we thought, what better way than to 
use the paint that we've already had for some jobs and just go do something overnight. So we went and laid it out real quick and by the next morning we had a mural and it just had the greatest uh, impact on our little city. Uh, it's not a very big town, um, but people just loved it. So we've decided uh, for every month during the summer, we're gonna change that out with a new uh, inspirational uh, quote, I guess you could say, just to uh, you know inspire and to uh, you know give people hope because we need it these days. We definitely need it. So uh, that's just our little part that we could contribute to our community. Well, my guest today has been River Prince with Prince Sign Company, and he works to merge the functions of a traditional sign painting shop with branding and fabrication, along with good design and craftsmanship. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.